We've been on a series all throughout this year titled, Who Is This Man?, where we studied the life of Jesus and what Jesus has to say about so many issues. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this subject of worship and how critically important it is uh, when it comes to us as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, when you think of the word worship, uh, a lot of things may come to your mind. You might think of singing, you might think of a hymn book, you might think of a band, you might think of all sorts of wonderful things. And there was a great man of God, his name, was a, his name is A.W. Tozer, and he actually talks about this book in The Knowledge of the Holy. He said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is one of the most important things about you. And when it comes to this area of worship, it's so centrally important to who we are as Christians. A.W. Tozer actually said this. He said that we are saved to worship God. All that Christ has done in the past and all that he's doing now leads to this end. And he was one of the great uh, men of God of the 20th century. And when you, look, like, when you look back at why did God create the earth? Why did he even start this beautiful cycle of humanity? He had the angels in heaven, but he wanted free will creatures who could willingly, lovingly give him glory and honor and praise with their life. And so in order to kind of dive into this a little bit, we're going to jump into a story in the book of John chapter 4 where Jesus is walking uh, with his disciples. And he entered into an area called Samaria. And it was an area where Jewish people typically did not interact with. The Jews and the Samaritans were not on the best of terms. But Jesus was countercultural because very often the things of the kingdom are countercultural. So even though the disciples weren't comfortable with going to Samaria, Jesus said, we're going to go through Samaria. So he went through Samaria. They had a long journey. You know, they were, you know, hungry and a little bit tired. So Jesus sent the disciples. Uh, to go and into the town and get food. And when they went in the town and got food, he stayed back by this well. And the well was the area where the townspeople would come uh, to, to draw out the water. And as he's standing there, a woman walks up to him and begins to draw water. And Jesus asks her, would you draw me some water as well? And again, it's counterculture because she's like, would you, you as a Jew talk to me as a Samaritan woman? What's happening here? And this really cool exchange begins to take place. And Jesus does what we grew up saying. He begins to read her mail. You know, he begins to say, tell her things about herself. And she picks up with this comment where she says this in John chapter 4, verse 19. Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, by the way, that was, it may sound in our culture a little disrespectful, but that's not how it is meant if you understand the context and the way that this word was used. It was a term of endearment and care. He said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So right here, Jesus gives us a framework and a picture and actually a description and instructions of what true worship really is. What really is this idea of true worship? And that's actually the title of the message today, True Worship. By the way, I think it's interesting that Jesus talks about this being true worship because that, I think, also denotes that there could be false worship. 
There could be worship that kind of misses the mark a little bit. So there's a picture here of Jesus saying the Father is seeking those who worship in this way. And the Greek word for this idea of seeking is zeteo, and it's got this passionate uh, search kind of connected to it. So when, we, when it says God is actively searching, there's a passion of looking for something. One of our staff texted me earlier this morning and said, hey, just to let you know, I might be running a little bit late. I'm looking for my keys. And it was funny, the text message, like they were, he said, I was turning my whole house upside down. And I was like, well, I can imagine one of my friends once had his, he couldn't find his keys and the keys, one of the two-year-old put it in the blender, you know. And praise God, I don't, they didn't turn it on. But you know, if you're running late for work and you're trying to find your keys, you're like, where is everything? You're tearing the house up. There's just like this intense seeking, trying to find it. I remember growing up going to Disney World as a young kid and it was me and my three brothers, other brothers and sisters. And when we started, my, my parents, my mom specifically told me, she said, hey, if you get lost and you can't see us, don't move. Just stand right where you're at. Because she was telling me, if you start running around and we start running around, we're not going to know how to find you. So sure enough, I think we were by somewhere like the Pirates of the Caribbean. And all of a sudden, I looked around and my family was completely gone. And so like, I think I was in, uh, like 10 years old. I just stood there like this. The, the, the mobs of people are flying by and I'm just like not moving, you know? And all of a sudden it was like something out of a movie. Like five minutes later, my mom's like breaking the people apart and like, my son, you know? And her face was like, I have been looking all over the place for you. And then my dad just came walking up behind me like, oh, you'll be all right, you know? So, uh, but that kind of passionate, I'm looking for something that is so important to me. And when I find it, ah, oh, that's the picture of what Jesus is saying. The Father is seeking for that type of worship. Seven and a half billion people on the planet, millions upon millions of Christians right now all over the world. And what is it that draws the heart of God? What is it that says that makes God, the creator of the universe, dial into an individual heart, into an individual church? It's those who aren't just going through religious function, but who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. He's earnestly seeking for that. I, I, it's, it's like right now, you can go to the back country of Tanzania. You can go out into the, into the middle of nowhere, Tanzania, walk into this mud hut church where there's no electronics. They don't have all of these things. And you can walk in there and experience the manifest presence of God, even though it looks very different. Why? They're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Again, we think of worship and we think of, a lot of different things. I grew up in a church where we had hymnals and uh, you would turn to number 333 and only sing the first and the fourth verse. I never could figure out why they didn't do the second and the third, but that's okay. And we would sing through it. And I remember we grew up and then all of a sudden we weren't singing out of hymnals. We had these like transparency sheets that we would shine up on the wall and you had someone's job that it was to pull that little sheet and you better make sure you don't get your fingers on it because it looks like they're doing shadow puppets during worship, you know? And then all of a sudden we transitioned to slides on a screen and we went from organs and pianos to electronic instruments. But all of these things are just a form and a function. That's not worship in itself. And what Jesus doesn't give us a super specific prescription of the how to execute it, but he talks about the what, which is the most important, which it has to be done in spirit and in truth. 
This is why you can go all over the world. One of our brothers here who's helping us on the keys is from Brazil. And you can walk to the favelas of Rio de Janeiro and walk into a small little church and walk into that place and you experience the power and the presence of God even though it looks very different. Why? Because they're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. One of the most sobering experiences I've had as a, I had as a young pastor was when I went to a pastor's conference, one of the largest conferences in America, thousands of pastors packed into one of the largest churches in the country. And we went into this room, we had all of the things perfect, all of the instruments, all of the technology, everything was perfect and dialed in. Even the coffee was anointed, you know. We got in the room, the worship team began to play, and me and my friends kind of looked at each other, and we felt like, what is wrong here? We sang a song, it was about three minutes and 43 seconds, kind of giving Jesus a tip of the hat and moved on into a keynote speaker talking about something with business, and I remember thinking, we have thousands of pastors in this room, and we didn't worship God. Even though we had all the forms and the functions, so it's not about that. It's about that which is in spirit and in truth. And Jesus gives us this breakdown of how important this is and what it is. So first of all, let's break down this picture of worshiping in spirit. Worshiping in spirit. Jesus said this, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. So what is this? What does in the spirit mean? It's one of the commentators who's really amazing said it like this. It's the human spirit energized by the Holy Spirit. So we as beings are made up of physical bodies. We're made up of souls, emotions, and we're made up of spirit, spirit, soul, and body. It's a holistic being, but there's different aspects to who we are. And so the spirit is the inner part of a man. It's, it's, it's the inner being of a person. And what Jesus is saying is that there's a true worship that's going to come from the inside. And actually, he talks about a couple verses earlier about he, how he's the river of living water. A couple of, uh, I don't know how it was, weeks later when he's in Jerusalem, he stood up and said, for those of you who are thirsty, I will come and give you water, living water, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. And this picture is, is there is a dynamic work that happens by the Holy Spirit inside of our heart that allows us to worship the Lord, allows us to worship the Lord. So the first component of spiritual worship is just that. Spiritual worship is from the heart. Spiritual worship is from the heart. I love the passion translation, a bit of a paraphrase, but says this, from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. It'll be with the right heart. The right heart is very important. And, you know, again, I, grew, I spent a little bit of time in a, in a church that was incredible, loved God, loved Jesus, loved the Bible. And man, we had our doctrine down. Doctrine is so important. That's the teaching. That's the truth of the word of God. We had our theology down. So important. Proper theology, the study of God and the study of the scriptures is so important. We had our catechisms down, our biblical histories, our church histories. We had a lot of knowledge even the little children had a ton of knowledge and all of that is good. God did say to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We do need to love God with our minds. But there's sometimes in this place of worship that there could be a disconnect between the mind and the heart. 
Because think of this, there's a verse in the Psalms that says, bless the Lord, oh my mind. Bless the Lord, oh my brain. Bless the Lord, oh my intellect. No, that's good, but there's a detail. Bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. So we do want to honor God with our minds, but we also need to be able to honor him with our hearts. We have to be able to honor him with our hearts. Imagine going on a date with your significant other, your spouse, and you sit there across the table and you, your, your entire you know, time on this date is purely intellectual. And it's just an exchange of ideas and an exchange of information and an exchange of knowledge. One of the partner, one of at the end of the day, be like, dude, what's wrong with you? What's going on? I need to connect with your heart. There's a heart connection that needs to happen. Imagine you're on that date. You're like, okay, okay, honey, uh, we've got four minutes and 42 seconds uh, to talk through what's on your mind, okay? They're going to slap you across the table, you know? Don't slap anybody. That's not Don't slap anybody, okay? Why? Because it's when you're in relationship, there has to be heart connection. A lot of marriage counseling over the years is a lot of marriage counseling often has to do with one partner not actually able to communicate their heart. And that's okay. That happens. A lot of it is teaching one of the spouses to be able to open their heart so that you can connect emotionally. Well, God created us. We're created in the image of God. And worship, a key part of worship, worshiping in the spirit is the ability to worship from the heart because it's intimacy. God did not send his son Jesus to shed his blood on the cross just so that we can have an intellectual ascent to knowledge. No, it's Jesus' work on the cross is commonly known as the passion of Christ because there's a deep relational component there. The deep relational component there. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great minds of the last really thousand years, said this about worship and about music, because music is so important. Music is directly connected to worship. And he said this, and the duty of singing praises to God seems to be appointed wholly to excite and express religious affections. No other reason can be assigned why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose and to do it with music. But only that such in our nature and frame that these things have a tendency to move our affections. God created music to move us. It's powerful, actually. Music is, is, this, is this beautiful gift of God to move our emotions. And that's why music is inextricably connected to worship. Can you worship God through other means? Absolutely. You can worship God through your work. You can worship God through your service. You can worship God through a lot of things. However, an aspect of worshiping him through song is a key component of this picture of worship. And this is why, by the way, music challenges can constantly arise within the faith community. Because for me, for example, I remember connecting with God at a camp on a specific type of song. And every time I hear that song, it's like brings me back to the moment. I remember that moment and even that style of worship. I'll sometimes throw it back. People sometimes tell me, Pastor Matt, you're stuck in 1990s worship. I say, it's all right. Good thing I'm not leading it, all right? But that's my heart connection. And it's beautiful. It's okay. Some, are, some of us love the hymns. Some of us love this, love that. And there's different styles of music. Over the, often when folks come and they start talking about 
I can't worship God in this way or this way because of a musical style. We try to walk through this component. Often, every heart has a type of music that moves the soul. When I was a youth pastor, I remember walking into the youth meeting once and the band was playing a song and I finally started to realize that I'm getting older because the music was so out there for me. I'm like, I can't connect with that. But the teenagers were like crying and weeping in the presence of God. I was like, I can't be getting that old that fast. But it's this here. God created music to move our hearts. By the way, just a little side note. Be careful what music does move your heart because the enemy knows this principle very well. That you gotta be very careful what you let in because sometimes music can pull you to places that actually are not good either and we need to be sensitive to those things. You ever walk out of a grocery store once and you don't even realize that you start whistling a song and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, that's a horrible song. And you weren't even conscious of it, but because it allows, it gets into your subconscious. God created it that way. And that's a beautiful part of how he created our hearts to be able to connect with him. So worship and music are inextricably connected. So spiritual worship is from the heart. Secondly, spiritual worship happens anytime, anywhere. So it says here, God is spirit. His worshipers must worship in the spirit. Let's worship in the spirit. We live in the New Testament age now. So when you, when you, if you're new to the scriptures and you go back and read some of the Old Testament, you'll start to read, you know, our, our brothers and sisters in faith used to have to go to a physical temple to, to have their uh, worship experience with God. That was, a made, that was a, a major component of the faith tradition. When Jesus Christ came to the earth as God himself, he shed his blood on the cross, and as he stood on that, as he died on that cross and he died, the Bible says that the curtain in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. And what that was, it was a picture that now all of those who apply the blood of Jesus to their heart are able to have access into the throne room of God. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that's some of the greatest news that we have access to the throne of God anytime, anywhere, any place. We can come boldly to the throne of Christ. You could be in your car, you can be in traffic, you could be in the woods, you can be in your bedroom, you could be anywhere, any place, any time, and because of the blood of Jesus, we have access to the Holy of Holies. Oh, that's such a gift. What would the prophets and the men and women of God of old think of us of being able to live in such a day? Oh, I, Pastor Rick said last week, I am so excited to live in Sacramento, California on the earth in 2021. Yes, are times getting more difficult? They sure are. But God has placed us on the earth for such a time as this. And we have access to the King of glory at any time and in any place. By the way, this is one of the greatest gifts of salvation. When you give your heart to Jesus, yes, you get, to, you get a ticket to heaven. You are able to spend eternity with God, but it starts now. We have access to heaven today because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we walk around like we're Old Testament saints and not New Testament saints. Sometimes we walk around like, man, I got to... I gotta wait to get to the building. I gotta wait to get here. God, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. And we don't realize 
We have access. This is what Jesus was saying. They were arguing. The, the, the woman was saying, well, you Jews say you have to go worship over there. We Samaritans say you worship here. And Jesus is like, listen, forget all that. Time's actually here right now. That because God is spirit, meaning he's not confined to any time or any place, you must actually worship him in that place of 24-7 anytime worship. We have the opportunity to worship him anytime, anywhere. So the question is, how is your anytime worship with God? How's my anytime worship, any time of the day? Pastor Rick was sharing uh, in the prayer meeting on Wednesday night, it was such a powerful time about how he's been waking up in the morning just singing and worshiping the Lord and how he loves that when he can just begin to sing a song a lot, very often the songs that we're singing. I've been walking around singing your name and your renown are the desire of, my, of our souls. Your kingdom is what we're living for, Jesus, Jesus, name above, Jesus, name above. Just begin to sing that out to the Lord. When I'm walking through my home, getting my coffee in the morning, you know, at work, walking through the hallways, driving in the car. It's not all the time, but we can worship him anytime. We can worship him anytime because he's spirit and we can worship in the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us with this. He helps us with this. And so this is one of those beautiful, beautiful pictures of worship. How many of you guys remember that song? Just a closer walk with Jesus. You remember that one? I remember walking in college being so stressed out. And I, was, I would walk, I walked by a practice room and a student was playing that song on the piano. I don't know all the words, so I can't sing it for you. But I, I remember thinking, just a closer walk with Jesus, and I felt convicted by the Lord. He's like, Matt, you're all stressed out about your finals, which, by the way, you know, when you're in college, finals are real, okay? <laughs> but the Lord's like, I'm here. Just worship me. And I remember walking down and just sing, beginning to sing that hymn. You know, and some of you might say, Matt, you don't understand. If I sing, the Holy Spirit leaves. Okay. <laughs> My voice is so bad, it grieves me. No, but it's not about that. The Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know, when you're at work, now I'm not saying don't interrupt your boss and begin to sing, your name in your renown. Don't do that. You're gonna get fired and I'll show you the door. This guy's off the rocker. Being a Christian's not about being weird, okay? There, you can be natural about your spirituality, but maybe you come out of that meeting and you're stressed. You're like feeling horrible. You're like, I'm gonna take a minute. I'm gonna go sit in my car, I'm gonna go walk the corridors, I'm gonna go step outside for a minute and just say, Jesus, name above, Jesus, lift it up. And you just begin to sing. And it's amazing, God made our hearts. He wired us to worship him. We're hardwired to worship him. It's like our default mode. You know, on your computer, or your iPhone, or your Android, whatever, it says reset to default because sometimes it gets all buggy and the machine gets all messed up. My kid the other day asked me to come in and fix their computer. All it needed was a reset. And can I tell you what worship does? Worship gives our heart the reset that it needs. It hits the reset and says, oh, it's just gonna clear out all the junk and allow me to center. The problem will still probably be there when you're done worshiping, but all of a sudden the problem becomes way, way smaller. 
Because in the light of the glory of God, you're like, oh, the creator's with me. He's gonna take care of all of that. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but Jesus, you're gonna take care of that. So anytime worship with God, that's the beautiful thing. Couple more things here. True worship is not only spiritual, it's also authentic. So this is this idea of worshiping in truth. In truth. Worshiping in truth. This is another way to say it has to be authentic. Number one, authentic worship is biblical. The word of God is the source of all of our direction for life. And so we do have to make sure that our worship is tied to the Bible. Our worship needs to be tied to the scriptures. Was in a meeting recently when one of our leaders was, was talking to a group of folks and it was amazing to, to, to listen to one of our leaders say, listen, we just gotta be mindful that what we're talking about is directly connected to the Bible. So often, our preferences again can begin to become the forefront and before you realize it, we don't have a hard line connection to the scriptures. The Bible does talk about that in the end days, many will gather teachers around them that will, that will tell them what they want to hear, but it's not connected to the scriptures. Biblical literacy is one of the most important battles pastors across America are facing today. The fact that we have more Bibles in our country, but more Christians that are biblically illiterate is very sobering. Where we have Christians who are in prison in North Korea, who have little fragments of the scripture and they live on those fragments. And we have, many of us, multiple copies of the Bible, and this is not meant to be a condemning statement, this is meant to be an encouraging statement, that Lord, may the word of God be, continue to be the centerpiece of our hearts and our lives. And so that's a key part of worship, is yes, worship needs to be biblical. But here's the other thing, authentic worship is not only biblical, authentic worship is honest. This is the last thing we'll land here and then we'll pray here in a minute. Authentic worship is honest. Matthew 15 says this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and they worship me in vain. And sometimes we can get into this place of life where because of the busyness of life, the difficulties of life, we're just giving God lip service, but our hearts are a million miles away. And... This is again where I pray that God would help us to have that beautiful reset. Because there is a place where we can worship God and it's kind of in vain, it kind of is not effective. It's not, it's not hitting the mark. Why? Because our hearts need to be able to be connected back to Jesus. Authentic worship is honest. I remember being, you know, when I was a youth pastor, I was talking to a teenager once. And a teenager, teenager that had grown up in the church been in all the church services you can imagine, was there constantly. And they sat down with me and they said, you know, I just feel like walking away from the Lord. Okay, let's talk about that. By the way, that's one thing that gets a youth pastor's attention. That's <laughs> when a teenager says, I'm gonna walk away from God. And we were talking. And I said, what's the problem? What's going on? And she told me, she said, you know, I just don't feel like God is real. Okay, cool. Why don't you feel like he's real? 
and she said, I keep praying and asking him to do things in my life and nothing's happening. And you know, you're in these moments and as a leader, in any, as any Christian, you sit in those moments, you're just like, I have nothing to tell you. Holy Spirit, help, <laughs> okay? And as I'm praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help, the Lord started to kind of unfold the conversation. And what was happening was this, this well-meaning young person who loved Jesus for their whole life, for the most part, was in this crisis point because their feelings were completely disconnected from what their, where their faith was, where their belief system was. So there was a belief system that says, I believe in God, but because she had gone through a very difficult number of months, her emotions were saying completely opposite. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what, if that doesn't sum up the Christian life right there, I don't know what does. And the only thing that I could encourage her with was this, was there's this crazy tension in life with God where you feel a certain way, but he's actually, the reality of God is very different. Like you could feel like God doesn't love me. But the truth of the scriptures is, is for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That God loves you with an everlasting love. You could feel on this side that God has forsaken me. But the scriptures say on the other side where he said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Your feelings on one side might feel like everyone has rejected me, nobody loves me. But on the other side, the scriptures say that God is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so this is the nature of faith where your feelings are legit. 100%. I think there's been certain movements in Christianity that have said, ignore your feelings. Well, that's not healthy either. Jesus didn't do that. And then, but there's been other movements that have been all feeling oriented. So we need to be able to say, okay, I feel this way, but the Bible says this, what do I do? I think a key thing that the only thing we can do often in those moments is worship Jesus. And so this is where true worship, authentic worship, is honest before God. It's honest. One of our leaders came up to me after the first service. They teach in a university and she told me this. She said, you know, I was thinking about this, this aspect of what you were saying. And she said, if I woke up in the morning and went to my husband and said, I don't feel like telling you I love you, so therefore I don't love you, and then walk out of the room, <laughs> She said, that wouldn't go over very well. She said, instead, even if I don't feel like it, I'll tell him, I love you. Does that mean it's false because I don't feel it? No. It means it's what I choose to declare and choose to believe because the faith component goes beyond what we feel. We're living in a generation, we have to help the younger generation through this journey because there is this undercurrent. I don't know, I don't wanna go so far to say as it's a demonic ploy, but I think it's part of the culture that says if you don't feel like something, that must mean it's not true or real. There's this direct correlation between feelings and truth, very dangerous. Because it's like, well, I don't feel a certain way, so therefore I've let myself off the hook from it. And so in worship, it could be like, well, I don't feel to sing to God. And if I do sing 
and I do worship and I don't feel it. Isn't that being hypocritical? And what I would encourage you today with is no, that's not being hypocritical, that's being full of faith. Because you could say, well, if I do something that I don't feel like doing, it's not being authentic. And I would say no, if you do something and you don't feel like it and it's biblical, you're being one of the most authentic types of Christians that you can be. Because you think of Paul and Silas who were in prison, they were chained up. They were chained up in a cold and a dark cell and they began to sing. Do you think Paul and Silas wanted to sing? No, I don't think they wanted to sing, but that's all they could do was worship. And I do think there's moments God allows us to get so jammed up because he's teaching us how to break through in that beautiful place of worship and praise, saying, God, I got nowhere else to go, but I'm gonna worship you and I'm gonna praise your name. I don't feel like it. My circumstances don't require, the, everything's messed up, but God, I'm gonna worship you. The old time saints in the, in the Old Testament, they call it, it's called the sacrifice of praise because sometimes it's costly, it's painful, but oh, is that like one of the fragrant aromas of the Lord? And by the way, this lesson never ends, last thing. Many of you know my mom passed away about four years ago and um, forgive me if I've shared this already, but we're all in a journey. We're all in a process. I went to a, a reunion a year after my mom's passing, 64 years old, went to be with the Lord. And I remember being in this family reunion. Everyone was happy and going around and everything was good. And I was in turmoil emotionally. I couldn't figure it out. You know, the weekend before I was preaching and telling folks to follow Jesus because I believe that and just we're, in, we're preaching and go after God and this huge part of what we're called to do. And then I come into this environment and I'm just messed up emotionally. I couldn't figure out why. And all of a sudden I realizing everything there reminded me of my mom, obviously. And so I'm feeling just angry. I'm feeling down, depressed, sad, grieving, all while trying to put on a good face for everybody, okay? We go, go back to the hotel, wake up in the morning. The family's still sleeping. And I didn't want to wake them up, so I, got out, I went out, got in my car, drove across the parking lot, and I just needed to work some stuff out with Jesus. By the way, how many of you, how many sometimes you feel like you just got to work stuff out with Jesus? You're like, I don't know, I got to work this out. That's, what, that's another way to talk about prayer and worship is I got to work some things out with the Lord. It's the best place to work it out with him, by the way. And so I sat in that car and I started to just be just incredibly sad and going through grief. And you know, every, some folks aren't like this. I'm like this because I am a goal-oriented type of person. And I got to this place where I'm like, why am I dealing with this again? I felt like I was, quote, over my grief. But some things you, we never get over. Until we see Jesus in heaven, we're gonna carry some pains. We'll always carry some wounds. We're broken, this world's broken. And until we see Jesus is the time when there will be no more tears. There'll be no more pain in heaven when we're with him. So part of the faith journey is you brush up against pain. And as I brushed up against pain, I didn't know what to do. And I just sat there in the car and turned on some worship on the Spotify, turned on a song and just began to sing. And the, in the beginning, I'll tell you, even though I've done this before, it felt very weird. <laughs> it didn't feel natural because it wasn't, it was spiritual. And as I began to sing, though, little by little, the Holy Spirit came, began to comfort my heart, and the tears began to flow, and, and, and all of a sudden, everything was better, a little better. 
the pain went subsided, the grief subsided, because when you worship, what worship does is it aligns us to the presence of God. When I, when I left the car, did my mom magically come back from heaven? No. The loss is there, all these things, but what it did is it reset the heart. And I share that to say, is a key part of worship very often, is just worshiping in honesty with God. And, and just even if we don't feel like it, there is a stepping out of I believe you, God, so I'm gonna give you my worship. I'm gonna honor you, I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna praise you. Let's stand to our feet. Close your eyes and listen to this scripture one last time. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. For God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And I think it's always appropriate to respond to the scriptures. If, if you're here and you would say, you know, I just need fresh grace from the Holy Spirit to worship him, to worship him anytime, anywhere, to worship him in a place of honesty, to worship him in faith. I just want to pray for you today. If that's you, just, just raise a hand in the presence of the Lord, the sign to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, you see my brothers and sisters here, those dialing online. Lord, we need your help today. We thank you that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by self-effort, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray, Lord, for all of us here today, Lord, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Lord, I pray for a release of grace in the heart that would allow us to worship you from the heart, worship you through the pain, worship you through the discouragement, worship you through the disillusionment, Lord. Not ignoring it, but bringing it to you, Father. And God, that our worship would be authentic, that our worship would be honest before you. But God, I pray that if there's been a cloud, maybe there's been a ceiling in our worship publicly, privately, Father, that you would break through that barrier in the name of Jesus. God, that there would be a freedom, that there would be a release of the heart today. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty, Lord. So we thank you, God, for the help of the Holy Spirit that allows us to worship you. We thank you for access. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood that we can enter in anytime, anywhere, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.